The second lesson is from 2 John. Uh, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John are short little letters in the back of your scriptures. And 2nd John is only 13 verses long, and we're going to read the first six of them today, which speak to us about love and truth. The elder, that is John, to the lady chosen by God, either a, a believing reference to a congregation or a Christian woman that he knew, and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. The Word of the Lord. Dear people of God, maybe I should call you the chosen lady. <laughs> what, a, what a rich way to start. The Apostle John often is used by the Spirit with, I don't know, just a different look at it. It's just a different look. You have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, right? We call them synoptic gospels because they're like optic is the same. They're together in the way that they look at the life of Jesus. And then you've got the gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it's just different. Can you, can you smell a, a mature conversation? Maybe you can think of the way somebody might uh, trade barbs, but their barbs are really like proverbs or something. Or uh, maybe you can tell the way somebody just has an expression to meet everything you're trying to say, and, and they match it just right. Um, sometimes these mature conversations get big. They start to talk about life. And in order to talk about life, you have to do what I just did and use a generic word, life. I'm gonna, let's talk about life. I mean, really, how many topics under the sun can we use and identify as topics included in life? Because it's life. It's big, right? It's really big. Do a visual with me. Entertain this for a second. Take a big tree a trunk with a tree, and flip it upside down. And when we talk in categories about something like life, it really includes a whole lot underneath it. I guess maybe I could have just gone with an iceberg and the tip of the iceberg. I didn't. Okay, sorry. Do the upside down tree anyway. You've got your topic, and you have all these things that you know are connected to it. What is it like then for the Apostle John to be used by the Spirit to talk in a mature way, about love. Love. Four letters, like life, but this really big word 
that embraces and involves, applies to every single living relationship you have. Every one of them. Every person you see, every person you talk to and interact with comes in and that love word applies to them. Truth. Another word that's like tree flipped upside down. You've got truth and this, this drives every reality, every what's worth, what's life worth, what's purpose, what's real, what do I base stuff on, what am I going to live by, that's all included in the word truth in the way we use those words, isn't it? So love and truth, five times each of those words are used in these six verses from Second John, the start of his epistle. Love and truth and truth and love. So... Maybe it's a misnomer to say today is maturity on love, when really, as we look at this part from Second John, we have love and truth going hand in hand together. And that's a big deal. Um, Jesus, when we want to talk about the big things of life, we want to have those mature conversations, you end up having to speak a little bit more generically. Jesus talks about our day, talks about the end times, what it will be like for us to go through history until Judgment Day. And he says, the love of most will grow cold. That's one way to say, when you look at the future, when you look at signs for the end, I want you to see a trunk with all of these wonderful, blessed expressions in the world of love growing cold, like throwing it away, like Cain murdering his brother Abel. Or truth. Think of Jesus talking to Pilate about truth, and Pilate says, what is truth? He just took that whole trunk and everything connected to it of the purpose and the meaning and the value of life that we have in the Word of God. If love grows cold, and if we lose truth... What are you left with? I mean, what is, what is life? It's completely empty. Did you get that? So these might be words that you, they get tired, right? Words that you use a lot, words that are maybe used, overused or used too much, and so much that you kind of get your saturated fill of those words, kind of like having your fill of political commercials. I'm just ready for the election to be done. But don't tune out the sermon on love and truth just because those words are used so often. Instead, Let's learn from John to take a mature approach and look at love and truth and how they operate together in our daily living. And the first way that John does this is in the opening three verses, and we'll kind of split our six verses in half, okay? The opening three verses, he lives it. He's living it. He's living the love and the truth that he's going to encourage us toward in the, in the last three verses. And it starts like this. The elder to the lady chosen, to the lady chosen, chosen by God, to the lady chosen by God. It's truth. Is it love? I think so too. Is it love of God that you were chosen by him? Is it true that you were chosen by him? This is how he, love and truth, those tree trunks, have become the Apostle John's world, his life world. He lives in love and truth. 
And this is how he thinks. This is how he loves. It's how he writes. It's how he engages with the world. And he's now going to write a letter to fellow believers. It seems likely that this is a congregation. And he said, to the lady chosen by God, when, I'm, when I think about you, I don't just think my warm thoughts in here, my sentimental ones of remember the time when. But instead, when I think here, I think the most loving thing I could say to you, listen to that, the most loving thing I could call you would be the true thing that God calls you. And you see this merging together of truth and love is the greatest thing I could live to do is to call you the lady, the lady of the Lord. The lady of the Lord and remind you of your status, remind you of your royalty, remind you how regal you are. You are the lady chosen by God. You're the one God picked, which is just amazing, isn't it? And it's one of the ways this, this letter starts and just brings you into his life world. He says, this is how I'm going to operate. I'm going to encourage you by calling you the lady chosen by God. And what a true loving fact that is that God would choose me. You hear the word choice. And in scripture, it jumps off the page because it doesn't make any sense. Raise your hand if of all the people in this room, God should choose you. Is that really going to be your approach when it comes to God? God, the holy God and his almighty authoritative pick and choosing that he would choose you. But this is a word from scripture that highlights just how big a heart of love and grace has been embedded into eternity. God has never changed on this point. And he wants the believers, he wants you to be comforted by something bigger than your daily mistakes, your ups and downs, highs and lows. So you want to remember something that's anchored in eternity? You were chosen by God. It's not happenstance that you ended up here. It's not some random course of events that brought you into a Lutheran church body or in front of God's word and faith in Jesus Christ. It is I chose you, God says. I chose you. And we know that along with his choice, those God foreknew, he also predestined. Those God predestined, he also called. Those God called, he also justified. And those God justified, he also glorified. Like, this is just a truth that's a part of a long string of glorious things God has aimed at you for your comfort throughout your life. That's true. That's loving to point that out to the chosen, the lady chosen by God and all her children. And then he goes on to say, whom I love in the truth. He doesn't say who I really love, who I truly love. It's who I love in the truth and not I only, but also all who know the truth. He sets your feet in another arena, not in the arena of God's eternal gracious choice of you and making you his own, but also the fact that believers who gather together before the Lord, because of the truth they know, they love each other. Do you love each other because of the truth you know? Whom I love in the truth, along with all those who know it. 
They all love you. What drives that? What truths drive that? Not my choice, but God's. I came into a congregation I didn't know a single face or name. I think I knew Margot. I take that back. But besides Margot, not really a single face or name, right? Coming in. And yet, it is by the word of God what we get to enjoy. It's not a choice thing that like, oh, we were neighbors or oh, we lived in the same, oh, we lived. No, we didn't have any of that. What brought us together was the choice of God. I, I could love you for a thousand other reasons, but I especially love you for that reason. That there's a, lo- there's a bond, there's a fellowship that is very important for us to understand if you're going to care about anything else John has to say in this letter, in these verses, or in other verses. That there is a, there's something here that God has made and that God keeps and that God preserves, that God cares about and I care about because God cares about it. And it's that choice of God that works in way into my own system that I would love you for the same reason. So then he says, this is what you get to do, um, or what you enjoy, grace and peace to you. We have these things from God. Again, truth and love merged together. And he greets them in the letter. And he says, I don't have something new to say to you. but something that you've had from the beginning. Something our Father commanded you. Because in truth, you don't read my letter just because I wrote it. You wrote it because it's coming from another writer. The Father has given it to you. Just as this letter comes in your hand, so it's reiterating something of the Father's love for you. Love one another. How are you going to define that love? You know it applies everywhere. But what's the loving thing to do every single time? This is love, he says. Let me help you with that question. (laughs) That we obey his commands. And this is his command. That we love and that we walk in love. So, have we done the full circle? Have Have you pictured this? I'm going to give you not a new command, but an old one. One you've had from the beginning, you've heard it from your father. It's It's the thing. Love. What is that? Doing his commands, the truth. And what is his command? That you walk in love. The Apostle John unites these two. This is a big point for this morning. The Apostle John combines these two, truth and love, in a special way. It means that there is never a decision you have to make between the two. Think about that. You never have to decide, do I do the loving thing or do I do the true to God thing? That choice is made for you in Scripture. You never have to sacrifice one for the sake of the other, 
right? You never have to leave one behind. Ah, well, for the sake of love, I'm going to do this, even though that's not the truth. No, you never have to compromise one. They are in, they're in the same zone. They're in every same conversation. What is loving is true, and what is true is loving. Think of it as having these two words, love and truth, riding on a tandem bike. If you say, where is truth and what is truth? Oh, there it is, riding on a bike. Look at that over there. And when you were looking for love, where is love? Oh, it's right there on the same bike with truth. Look, there it is. They're together, right? They, they're in the same conversation. They occupy the same territory, for example. I think that's what I'm doing with my hands. This not conversation. This is territory. Um, they're in the same territory. The very circle where love is to be found is the same place where truth is to be found. And it, so they may be two different words, but they're right on top of each other. They're always together. They're always together. See them on the tandem bike. You think about that. You never have to choose between the two. Where there's one, there's the other. You stand in the same spot. That has huge, huge meaning. Especially when truth, and I'm looking for that truth, and I want to know where the truth is so I can live. It's found in the Word of God. The truth is the Word of God. Everything that you do in the Word of God is the loving thing to do. Sometimes you can be a doctrinal jerk and you can be doctrinally truth right, but unloving. Or you could do something in the name of love. You could feel the love. You could say, this is warm. I like this outcome in the relationship. It feels like it's a connecting, gluey thing, you know, that binds me to someone else and, and, and betters our relationship. So in the name of love, you could do something, but it might not be according to the Word of God. Right? So we can separate the two together, but this is where they belong. This is the mature conversation about love and the mature conversation about truth is at the very same time. And this is where it starts to get really fun, is at the very center and core of love and truth is Jesus Christ and his face bleeding on a cross for your sins. This is love. It's also God's truth to you to declare to you the forgiveness of your sins. But it is also the loving thing that God did for people. It's what brings us together. It's what made us anything in this world. And that's a big point, because when I do something in the name of love that's not truth, you're acting independently. You have just left God by doing something out in the name of love, but it's against God's word. I am acting independently. It speaks of me. It doesn't testify of God. Or when I do something doctrinally in the name of truth, but I forget love that seasons the conversation. I am not representing God there either. What I rejoice in is an identity, a life I get to live, in love and truth that God has for me. When the Apostle Paul John, when the Apostle John then says to you, walk in love, this is what he's talking about. 
because he knows that what people will learn about is not you. Do you see that? When you're in the truth love zone, (laughs) what people will learn about is not you. They will learn about him when you love them this way. And that everything else will lead people away. It tells parents what to do. This tells friends what to do. This tells congregations what to do. This tells all individual believers what to do. I know what love is. Here. It's here. It's in your word. I know what to, I know what the loving thing to do is now and how to live. I know that the loving thing to do to say to Cain isn't Hakuna Matata. He was living Hakuna Matata. I know this because I am a Lion King expert. And Hakuna Matata was what Timon and Pumbaa said was like their lifestyle. Just don't worry about it. No worries is the rule of thumb until they cared about someone. And they left Hakuna Matata, violated their own life history, and entered in a new life of caring about the lions and on all the other creatures. Do you remember that? And it changed. Cain left God, left his family in his heart, and he was living the Hakuna Matata life. Am I my brother's keeper? I don't think so. And he was asking that question to God. Like, God, you have this audacity to ask me about my brother, like I'm supposed to care, and you're supposed to care about that in my life. I don't care, Hakuna Matata. Your care is wrong, and I don't need to care. So leave it alone. Instead, it was the opposite. God cares about people. God cares about you walking in love, in his true love, because that's the best care you could give somebody else. And the best thing that God could do for Cain was to say, there's a problem there, Cain. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. The best thing for Jesus wasn't just to walk away from those who hated him. I don't care. But he answered their questions with zeal and truth and love. And he came back with a question of his own. Why? Why is he still talking to them? You would totally blow up and walk away at this point. And Jesus doesn't. So he comes back with a question about the Messiah. He's just hoping. He's praying. He's loving in the truth that they will come to the word of God and be saved by it. So brothers and sisters, this is our glorious calling. This is our joy in our life. Can we talk about it in simple words? Love. What is that? Obeying God's commands. What is his command? To walk in love. Sounds awfully mature to me. God bless you and help you do it. Amen.